Well, contrary to what Kyle had said in the announcements, I am actually doing a sermon for you this morning. Pastor John is here, but I am here to preach for you this morning. You know, I love a good board game. I enjoy a good board game. You got the colors, you got the strategy, right? The thought-provoking strategy. And there's this suspense that at any single moment, at every single turn, someone could absolutely lose their minds, right? Some of you are sitting here today that aren't friends with people because of a board game that you've played in your life before. Monopoly, right? Monopoly or risk. That has, lo- that has ended more friendships than any other disagreement in the world, right? Maybe I'm that friend. I've lost friends <laughs> myself. But here's the thing. The rule book is vital to a good board game, right? We need to be reliant upon the rule book because if we don't agree on the rules, then it's going to be absolute chaos, if we don't agree on the, 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 the way that turns go, the way that we roll the dice, it's going to be chaos. Not knowing the rules is a problem. People start making stuff up. People get frustrated. Nobody wants to play the game. Some of you are sitting here like, no, it's way more fun to play without, the, without disagreeing on the rules. Well, that's not the case in a board game. And we all agree. And how do I know that? Because think about it. Whenever you guys disagree in the board game, what do you do? You turn to the rule book, right? What do the rules say? How many points did I score in that? What does that turn? No, you can't do that. Well, how do you know? You go to the rule book. We're reliant upon the rule book to play the game correctly and to enjoy it, really. In the same way, Christians are reliant on their Bibles. At least they should be. And without it, we, we don't know who God is. We don't know his gospel. We don't know how to grow in holiness because we don't know his word. It's a source of life in this uh, uh, game that we're playing here. Without it, we don't know how to play. We don't know the intentions of the game's creator. We need God's word. And as Christians, we need to be determined to grow spiritually through the relentless intake and, right, we don't just stop there. We don't just consume God's word. We also need to apply it through the relentless intake and application of God's word. Guys, if we fail in this, we fail to get this, then we are going to open up our lives to all different types of sin. The wicked ways of the world is going to consume us if we are not reliant upon God's word. So let's see what the Bible has to say about this. Turn with me to 1 Peter 2. We're going to look at three verses this morning, verses 1 through 3. I want all of you to look at the Bibles here. Let's open up our Bibles. Let's get our eyes on the text, whether it's electronic or physical. Let's look at this right now together. It says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And we'll talk about that in a bit. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I'm kind of going to go backwards on you guys this. Let's skip verse 1 for now, but let's look at uh, verses 2 through 3. Let's focus our attention on verses 2 through 3. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. So this is not talking about baby Christians. He's not talking about newborn Christians. Peter is just simply giving us this uh, illustration of the reliance that Christians ought to have on their Bibles. Like a infant 
who longs for milk and needs milk to survive. And that's what the pure spiritual milk is. That's the Bible. That's God's word. That, by it, you may grow up into salvation. So there is this type of, because the, the book of Peter is written to people who were, were worried about the end times. They were suffering during this time. So he has this end times theology in mind when he says that you may grow up into your salvation. So, yes, we are growing spiritually today and then ultimately to be uh, glorified in heaven at the end. That's what Peter's getting at here. But ultimately, the focus is, hey, this present spiritual growth. We're growing in our, our salvation. If, indeed, you've tasted that the Lord is good. And that goodness comes from uh, conversion, right? You see that in the gift of salvation that God gives to us. That goodness comes from that. God's word is our life source for spiritual growth. So, in order to grow in your sanctification, you must be completely reliant upon God's word. That's point number one. So please, write that down if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are. Write down, be completely dependent on God's word. This word dependent, what am I getting at here? Well, it's a longing for, it's a craving, but it's also a consumption. You're intaking it, and you're doing something with it. We're not just stopping on reading. We have to apply it. So this is deeper than checking off the box, right? This is deeper than just going through the motions in the intake of our Bibles. Sadly, for some of us, the quote from Spurgeon is right on the nose when he says, there's enough dust on your Bible to spell out the word damnation with your fingertips. I mean, that's heavy. And maybe that's true of some of us sitting in this room right now. But Peter, in our text, he shows, hey, this cannot be so of Christians. This cannot be so of us. And he gives us this great illustration of a baby. Like You, you guys have heard babies screaming and crying in the nursery. Well, typically, it's because they want their milk and they're reliant upon it. Well, a lot of us, what do we do when we're, we're reliant upon what? Coffee. You guys are all thinking it, right? We've got a coffee bar over here for you guys. Why? Because we need it to survive. It's almost like this same analogy here where it's like, oh, don't talk to me until I have my coffee, right? Some of you ladies have that posted on your wall in your room right now. Don't talk to me unless I have my coffee. I'm with you there, right? I had a cup of coffee this morning. I'm reliant upon it too, so I'm there with you. We need coffee just like a baby needs its milk. And the idea is we have to be reliant, completely dependent on God's word. The words of scripture is what we're reliant upon. They are our life source. You got to deeply desire it and consume it. I want you to write this down for subpoint letter A. Devour your Bible. Devour your Bible. Okay, what does that look like? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, he says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet who went to prophesy to Israel of the impending doom that they were about to face, and nobody listened to him. But he's saying, my joy and my delight of my heart is God's word. It's your commandments, God. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. So 
on your worksheets or however you're taking notes, I want you to write, I mean, you can write however you want, left and right, but I want you to do like a T-chart, okay? Because I have two things that we're going to discuss, two categories that we're going to talk about for this subpoint. And the first category are dangers. Beware the dangers of Bible neglect, okay? So you can write that on the left side. Beware of da the dangers of Bible neglect. And I have three alliterated points for you. What kind of preacher would I be if I didn't alliterate these, these uh, points here? The first is destruction. Destruction. Write that down for point number, or well, one under this section here. Proverbs 13, the first half of uh, verse 13 says, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. Maybe you're a person that's sitting here in this room who just despises reading their Bible. Maybe you just don't enjoy it at all. Well, that's going to lead to destruction both internally and externally. The sin that's within your heart, the wicked desires, the evil desires are going to continue to corrupt you if you neglect your Bible. It will destroy you internally. But also, it will destroy you externally. You think about all of the temptations of uh, the friends that you have at school and the temptations of the world and what they're trying to tell you to do. And if you give in to them because you neglect God's word, it will destroy you. The second thing I want you to write down is deception. Deception. We got destruction and deception. Ephesians 4, 14. Ephesians 4, 14 says, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by, about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. What is Paul saying in Ephesians 4? He's saying, look, if you don't know God's word, if you neglect God's word, you're going to be deceived by any type of false teaching that's out there in the world. You're going to be tossed to and fro. If you're not founded in your faith, and that's comes from being reliant upon the Bible, dependent on the Bible, rather, then you're going to be deceived by all the false teaching that's in the world. Turn off social media, right? All these TikTok theologians that want to tell you exactly what you should and shouldn't believe. Social media is going to damage that. Unfollow those people that you shouldn't be following and turn to God's word for answers instead. If you neglect your Bible, you will be deceived, guys. The third thing I want you to write is defeat. Destruction, deception, defeat. Note this passage, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Familiar passage, I'm sure. It says, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Guys, we have a spiritual enemy that we're facing every single day. If you neglect your Bible, you're going to be defeated. You're going to lose this battle that we face every single day. The world that you live in is heavy, right? Some of you guys are going through a trial or suffering right now as we speak. You know the heaviness of the world, and if you neglect your Bible, it will defeat you. Some of you guys are potentially, possibly, perhaps dealing with something like anxiety, something like unfaithfulness, or you're falling into temptation of the world, the sin of the world. It's crushing you. You're defeated by it, and you don't know what to do. 
what you got to do is come to God's word. If you neglect God's word, you'll be defeated. God's answers are here in this book that we hold right here. You won't be defeated if you're reliant, dependent upon this book. On the right side of that chart that I wanted you to write, um, we're going to do benefits. Okay, so seek the benefits of Bible dependence. You're going to see this contrast that I've built into this between the three points. The first point on this side of the chart is renewal. Right? We have destruction and we have renewal. Write down this verse, Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Being transformed and not being conformed to the world, that comes from a dependency upon the, the very book that renews our mind. The Bible. That by it, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You're not going to know what is good and acceptable and perfect if you neglect God's word. We have to embrace it. We have to be dependent upon it and reap the benefits of knowing it and depending on it. You become less like the world the more you do this and become more like Jesus Christ. Your sinful tendencies, right? Those, those things, the corrupted worldviews, the sinful tendencies with your heart, within your heart can be renewed and you can put on righteous tendencies, righteous desires, and a biblical and a, a Christian-type worldview when you're dependent upon God's word. You can experience renewal. The second thing I want you to write down is readiness. Write down readiness. Readiness. So we have deception versus readiness. You're ready for false teaching. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We're going to read the whole thing. We're not going to read the whole thing. We will be here till 1. But turn with me to Psalm 119. Let's look at this text together. We're going to look at verses 9 through 16. Psalm 119, pretty close to the middle of your Bibles there. We're going to look at verses 9 through 16. Readiness. Okay, how can a young man or woman keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. By guarding yourself being ready when you're dependent upon God's word. That's what comes. Verses, verse 10. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And, and listen to this, guys. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What do you think? That, what comes to mind when you think of that? Bible memorization, right? When you store up God's word within you, that's being dependent upon it. Anything that arises, if you have it memorized in your head, you're dependent upon it because you can turn to that and be ready for whatever comes your way. Verse 12, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Think about that. In the way of your testimonies, in the, the commands that David's saying, hey, look, the, the commands that you give me, your word, it's like, it's better than gold. It's better than diamonds. It's better than all the riches of the world. That's the, that's the mentality that we have to have as we come to our, our, our Bibles. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. 
we'll forget our word if we're not in it, right? We have to be dependent upon it. We have to be ready for any temptation that comes our way. There's a spiritual battle that's going on in the world. There's temptation. There's an enemy that wants to make you fall, but you need to be ready, and the only way you can be ready is through a dependency on God's word. The third thing I want you to write down is refuge, okay? Refuge, and you can see the contrast here, defeat and refuge. Jot down in your notes here, Proverbs 30, verse 5. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He will guard you from the defeat that comes from sin. Because if you come to God's word, you won't give in to sin. You won't turn to sin when you're dependent upon God's word. If you're defeated right now, if you're sitting here, you're dealing with that trial. You're dealing with that suffering today. Or maybe you're struggling with a sin that you feel like you can't conquer, that you can't overcome. You can find refuge in God, and that comes from a dependency on God's word. Sin won't crush you when you're dependent on the Lord through his word. It brings us hope, right? It brings us happiness. It brings us joy when we are obedient to God's commands. And if you don't, if you don't know that, if you don't experience that, test what I'm saying. Read God's word and you will experience the joy and happiness that comes from the Lord. So, okay, Roy, you've told me what I should know about God's word. You've told me how I should feel about it. Maybe, I'm, maybe you're feeling compelled. Maybe you're feeling convicted. Okay, what do I do with this? How, what, 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 what am I supposed to do? Well, there's practical tips that I, I want to give you on how to devour your Bible. Well, the first thing is create a Bible reading plan. If you don't have a Bible reading plan right now, you should. And if it's not the DVR, that's step number one, right? Be reading the Bible with your church family. Step number one, read the DVR. But we want to grow as Christians, right? So we don't want to just stick to DVR only. We want to move forward. Let's do more reading as well. Create a Bible reading plan, and when you do that Bible reading plan, don't just read it, but apply something that you read that day, that day, right? Let me rephrase that. So what you're learning through your scripture reading every day be committed to applying something that you're learning in your scripture reading. One great method that's super helpful with this, and maybe you've heard of it, you've done partners, you've heard of this method before, it's called the TAN method. Now, if you're not familiar with the TAN method, it's then, always, now. It's an acronym that it says then, always, now. Okay, what is that? Well, when you're reading scripture and you take a passage and you look at, okay, what did that mean to the people then? What is, what is the context? I don't want to take this out of context, so what does that mean then? Okay. always is an eternal truth that you can identify that is, is, is good for all, all Christians of all time, always. And then now, okay, that's where the application comes in. What can I do with this text right now? Then, always, now. Another thing you can do, write chapter summaries for every chapter that you read. That's something that I've been doing that's been super helpful so I'm, I'm reading the DVR, and I'm, I'm just summarizing, and it doesn't have to be long. You can do, or you, can, you could do long if you want, long, short, whatever, but summarize what you just read. That's, you're going to retain it better when you, can know, when you know how to summarize what you just read. Now, and this is my opinion. I don't know if I have any biblical basis for this, but buy a physical Bible. I don't, like for me, I, I got this nice physical, but spend some money on it. Get a nice physical Bible. I mean, usually when you spend money on something, you care about it a little bit more and you want to use it more often. 
buy a nice physical Bible, right? Make it yours. And it's also this tangible reminder, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got to read it. I mean, think about it. Typically, when you're, when you're diving into, like, an electronic thing, you're more inclined, you're more tempted to uh, kind of just read it really quick and move on, as opposed to, you know, you got a physical Bible, you can see the context, you can highlight, you can underline, you can take notes. Now, again, that's just my opinion, but I think that could be something that would be helpful to devour your Bible. And then lastly, we kind of touched on this in Psalm 119, but memorize those passages that you learn. Memorize sections of Scripture, not just single verses, but sections of it, so you can recall on it uh, throughout the day. Throughout your week, you face a trial, you face suffering, you face a temptation. Maybe it's even a specific temptation that you need to memorize verses for in order to conquer that sin. Do it. We were just at uh, the men's retreat last weekend, and Pastor Anthony um, was a great great preacher. He gave us a story about one of the wisest men he knew in his congregation. And he said, hey, you're, you know, you're a wise, you're a wise man. He was an older man. He was probably 70 or so years old. He's an older man. And uh, he's like, you're a wise man. Like, what, what, what advice can you give me? And he said, when I was 20 years old, I committed to reading one chapter of Proverbs a day for the rest of my life, right? This is the wisest man that this pastor knows. Now, that's so simple, it seems, right? But when you think about it, That's what devouring your Bible is because he didn't go to the world for wisdom. He didn't go to a book for wisdom, which is still good. Don't get me wrong. But where'd he go? He went to God's word. And not only that, he went to the wisest man that's ever lived, Solomon, in the book of Proverbs. And he started learning, okay, what do I need to do to grow my wisdom? I've implemented that into my Bible reading plan. And it's been helpful. It takes two minutes a day. Something that could be super helpful for you guys. These practical things can help you start devouring the word. Which brings me to my next sub-point, B, fixate on your sanctification. Fixate on your sanctification, right? Devouring the Bible, that's the first step. And as I've already said, we have to do something with that. Let's devour the Bible, and then let's, let's apply what we're eating, right? That's, devouring is, is intaking and applying, got to apply it. Spiritual growth should be this daily pursuit for you. That's what sanctification is. Spiritual growth. Growing spiritually every single day. It, a lot of you guys play sports. I played sports growing up, but I mean, if, even if you never play sports, you play a game or, or, or you play a hobby, whatever, right? You, you want to get better at it. How do you get better at the thing? I heard someone say it. Practice, right? You got you to practice every single day. You got to practice. If you want to get better at it, you got to practice. And when I was in high school, I was so bad at basketball. I was terrible. I would think it was like seventh grade. My coach would cringe when he had to call my name to go into the game because I was so bad. And one of the reasons why I was so bad, if you play, I mean, even if you don't play basketball, you know, you shoot the shot like this, right? It's like, flick your wrist. I mean, even if you don't know basketball, you've seen a guy shoot a basketball and he shoots like that. Well, I didn't shoot like that. I went all the way back and shot like this. <laughs> Clearly, that's not correct. <laughs> I, it was not good. So what I did is I practiced every single day. I went to Lake Forest Sun and Sail Club. Some of you guys might even be members of this place. Lake Forest Sun and Sail Club, I would go there after school, and I would practice, 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 practice. And finally, my shot got better. But one of the big reasons I wanted to practice is because I wanted to win the game, right? I wanted to shoot better. I wanted to be a better teammate. What happened when I didn't practice anymore? which actually happened later in high school, and I, I got worse. 
I got worse. I neglected to practice, so I declined. Growth comes with practice. Growth comes with daily practice. Your spiritual growth must be uh, going to God's word and applying it on a daily basis. It comes from constantly turning to it. And when we neglect God's word, sin creeps back in. It opposes the spiritual growth that we're trying to do. We're pulling against one another. Let's look at this passage in Galatians. Turn with me to Galatians 2, verse 20. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. Galatians 2, verse 20. Paul is essentially trying to combat and argue against this false teaching that started going around the Galatian churches that justification was by works and not by faith, right? That you can earn your salvation. Well, of course, we know that's wrong, so Paul wanted to argue against that. So Galatians 2, verse 20, after he just talked about being justified by faith, what does that mean for us? Well, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My life is not mine anymore. It's died. And I live now with, for Christ. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a motivating sentence there. He loves us and gave himself for us. Your life belongs to Christ, guys. If you're a Christian here, it belongs to Christ. Even if you're not a Christian, it belongs to Christ. You're just not living for him yet. Grow in Christ-likeness. It's a daily pursuit. And it's got to be a priority. It's got to be a priority. This is the reason we live. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, hey, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Right? That's what God wants of you. What is the will of God for my life? What's God's will for me? To grow in Christ-likeness. It's, right? Everything else is, is extra. It all goes to this priority. So what can you do with that? Well, you got to identify where you need to grow in your life. Where are you falling short? What are you, con- what are you dealing with sinfully and, and, and you haven't conquered yet? Maybe you got to talk to one of your leaders and ask them, hey, what do you see in me that I'm struggling with? I guarantee your leaders are, might even be a little more in tune with that than maybe even you are. You can ask your parents, like, hey, where am I falling short? Can you help me with this? You can ask a godly friend and be like, hey, what do you see in my life that I need to improve on? And look, don't be offended by that. Ask that question because it's a good thing if they say, hey, I actually do see something. Because guess what? You can get rid of it and then become more like Jesus. You can start doing what God wants of you. Have accountability, right? So don't just ask a friend and then be like, all right, see you, bro. No, be like, hey, look, what, what? How am I doing? Have I improved? And then if you're the friend that's asking, right, if you're holding someone accountable, ask them, be like, hey, how, how have you done this month? How have you done this week? How are you doing today on your anger or your lust or your pride or whatever it may be? Get accountability. You can also, I talked about this, read supplemental books on God's word, on sanctification, right? If it's a priority of your life, and it should be, if it's not, it should be, Buy books, spend money, spend time, spend resources on developing your Christ-likeness, right? God's word, of course, that's primary. That's what you always got to turn to. But there's so many great books out there and resources that focus on growing you in Christ. 
And of course, apply what you read every single day. This desire to grow spiritually, it's fueled, it's motivated by what? The goodness and kindness of Christ. And that's what our passage says. It says, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. God is good. So letter C, I want you to write down, be motivated by God's goodness. Be motivated by God's goodness. Are you lacking in motivation in your walk with Christ? Are you struggling here? Perhaps you've become spiritually lazy in your life with Christ. Maybe even you're just simply going through the motions, right? You're just doing your duty. You're checking off the box. Perhaps that's some of you in this room right now. Psalm 34, 8, this is the passage that Peter is pulling from when he says, taste it. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Happy, that's what that word means. Happy is the man who takes refuge in God. God's goodness, it should stir us up towards spiritual growth. His kindness towards towards us should motivate us to want to live for Jesus. What does that even mean? probably thinking here, if you're sitting here, I don't know what that means. Well, let me tell you what that means. If you're a Christian here this morning, God saved you from the punishment of your sin. I mean, guys, think about that. He went up on the cross, the cross and the death that we deserve, and he saved us. He paid the sin debt that we owe, that we deserve. He died the death that we should be dying. And it's not because of anything that we've done. It's not because we deserve it. In fact, he chose us out of his goodness and kindness before the foundations of the world. That should be a motivator for you to want to live for him. Your own sin can even serve as a constant reminder. Because God doesn't strike us dead as soon as we sin. No, he shows us mercy. He shows us grace. He shows us kindness. And he's forgiven us through the death of Christ on the cross. That's a motivating thing for us to now go live for him. God's goodness is seen in how he sustains your life. I mean, think about it. You're sitting here. You probably got a full stomach. You just had some coffee. You just had some water. We, we have this roof overhead, AC, right? We live in South Orange County. These are all good things that God provides for us. And we should be thankful to him for that. And it should motivate us to be like, hey, I want to go live for you now. I want to do the things that you tell me to do because you are good about answered prayers God answers our prayers in life and that's an amazing thing that even the smallest things that we bring to God he answers them this is the will of God your sanctification I already said that first Thessalonians 4 and God um, says Christ says in the gospels he says hey if you pray the things according to my will or in my name I'll answer them God answers prayers. So if you're praying a prayer to God, show me how to grow in my sanctification. That's something that God's going to answer. And he answers so many other prayers. And those are good and gracious things. All this, and what does he ask of his people? All of these good things, all of these good motivators, all these things that God does. And what does he ask of us? Deny yourself and live for me. It's pretty simple in the grand scheme of things when you really think about it. It's pretty small in comparison Look back at verse 1 of our text. I want to look back at 1 Peter 2, and we're going to go through verse 1 together. I know I skipped that, so let's, let's turn back to that. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. It says, so, okay, we've got to stop. 
So, okay, what does that mean? Well, we got to look back to see what Peter's talking about. And he's referring back to, uh, I mean, it's really the full section, you're called to be holy, but it's specifically the verses 22 through 23. Just look up in your Bibles. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of, Im- not of parable- perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Okay, now we know what we're talking about here. You're called to be holy, right? So that's, so put away these things. All malice, okay? Malice, what's malice? Malice is intentional wickedness towards another person. We'll talk more about those, th- these things. And all deceit, that's intentionally trying to lead someone uh, the wrong direction. You're deceiving them. And hypocrisy, saying something that you're not, behaving in a way that is not actually true of you. And envy, coveting something that you don't have, and you covet it so much that you want that person to, you know, go down because of it. You want it so badly, you envy it, and all slander. This is like gossip, slander, saying bad things about uh, people behind their backs. We'll talk more about that. These are damaging um, behaviors that, sadly, in the church, it seems like these specific ones might be a little bit more tolerated than others. Maybe not malice, but, I mean, you think about, like, hypocrisy and envy and slander. These are things that may be more condoned than we want. But instead, no, we got to put these away, as Peter is saying. we got to put these away. So if you're going to grow spiritually, you must repent from these behaviors. Because these behaviors, they hinder your sanctification. And that's point number two. Repent from behaviors that hinder spiritual growth. Repent from behaviors that hinder spiritual growth. When I was a junior in high school, you guys' age, I was driving for about a year, okay? So I was relatively new. Yeah, I guess I was Kyle's age, and after this story, you'll want to know that you're not going to want to drive with me. (laughs) So I was driving, and it was really dark, late at night, and I go down this side road because I thought, okay, this is a shortcut. This is going to be great. I'll get home quicker. Well, it was like through this business park, and it's like one of these roads. Like, let me, I'll try to paint the picture for you. It's, you know, I, went, I was going straight, and then the road went like this. It was like this big end cul-de-sac like this, and then the left turn went that way. Okay? See what I'm saying? So I was driving down the road, and I just wanted to make a basic left turn, but here's the problem. The curb protruded way further than I thought it did. Because remember, it goes like this, and then around and down, and then straight. So I took this wide-angle left turn, and boom, smacked right into the curb. So I get out of my car, and I'm like, okay, something's wrong. So I look, I get, you know, it was the front right tire. I look at the front right tire, and I'm like, okay, what's the damage? Well, the tire was this way, like laying on the, uh, the pavement, right? So, okay, so I get back into my driver's seat. And what do I do? I'm in utter denial. I turn my car on. <laughs> I try to drive with this terrible tire. How far do you think I got on this tire? Maybe, yeah, maybe half a mile, right? After the screeching and the, and the, the scraping and the, I was seeing sparks fly off of my rim, I finally decided to give in and say, okay, something might be wrong. So I parked the car and finally got the car towed away. Here's the thing, guys. 
Some of us are trying to live this Christian life, and when we have sin in our life, it's like a tire that's just scraping constantly on the pavement, right? We have to fix the tire problem before we can drive straight again and have no issues anymore. We have to fix the problem in order to get to the destination that we're going. And our spiritual growth, we will not grow in sanctification when we have these these sins that are in our life, that are clear, that we're clinging to. Now, of course, you're not going to be perfect in this life, okay? You'll be perfect in glory if you're a Christian. So, of course, you can't repent of every single thing, but it's a daily repentance. But some things are in our lives that we know that, okay, I got to get rid of this. I've been clinging on to this for way too long. It's the tire that's holding you back. You will not grow in spiritual growth if you have that tire, if you don't repent of that sin first. You got to remove that sin from your life, and then you can start growing in Christ. So let's look at these listed behaviors that we have here. The first one is malice. These things are destructive behaviors. Desire to harm others, as I had said already. Maybe there's someone in this ministry that you know that you just wish just went down. You just do not like the person, right? You wish something bad happened to them. I, I pray that's a, uh, none of us, but, but maybe there is someone here that, that uh, has that, that, that issue, that malice towards that person. Well, what do you do? You got to love that person, right? You have to come to them and forgive that person. And in fact, you want to befriend that person. That's what true repentance will look like. Deceit, intentionally misleading people. You aren't gaining anything from deceiving people if you are. It'll be found out, guys. You gotta be honest with every single person that you talk to. You gotta speak the truth to every single person you talk to. Hypocrisy. Pretending to say something about yourself, you know, you're, be- you're behaving differently. Saying you're claiming something about yourself and behaving differently. Maybe you're a person who acts differently at church than you do at home, or than you do at school, or than you do with your friends at school. Maybe you're trying to hide sins within your life, thinking that, okay, my, look, I'm the, I'm the good person. My friends don't need to know. God knows. God sees the secret sins of our life. But even if no one finds out, guess what? God knows. He already knows it. God sees it. Repent from those behaviors and be honest. Be, be true. Envy. Longing for what other people have. Right? This envy, this behavior, it's the exact opposite of being motivated by God's goodness and kindness, right? Because if we have these nice good gifts that come from God and we're longing for something that God hasn't gifted us, then we're rejecting, we're denying the goodness of God, right? Be thankful for what God has provided for you. And think about it, even if someone else, there's something that you wanted and they have it, well, that's a good gift that God gave that person and not you. That's a great thing. We're going to repent of envy, and that looks like being thankful to God for the things that he's provided for us in our life. Slander, taking down others with your words. Like I said, I feel like this one is a, a tolerated sin because we think that, you know, it's, it's not harmful if I'm just saying this little thing. What's another word for slander? Gossip. Gossip. If the person in the conversation is not present, maybe you shouldn't talk about them. 
Even the small things behind people's backs are slanderous. Your speech should always be for building up. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such that is good for building up. Your speech should always build people up, not tearing anyone down. Talking behind their back, that's gossip, it's slander. Repent of that behavior. It's hindering your spiritual growth. And also call each other out on this. Have accountability, right? Like if someone starts having that conversation, be like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think we should talk about this. This doesn't really pertain to us. I don't really care about, I don't want to talk about this. So call each other out on this. Hold each other accountable on this. And perhaps some of you are thinking, look, I'm in the clear. I don't deal with any of these sins. This is not a struggle for me. Well, here's the thing, guys. All sin, all sin hinders your spiritual growth. All of it. Peter's just given us a, an example in the context of these, these specific sins, but really what he's getting at is, look, look, all of these sins you got to put away. All sin you got to put away. Turn to Ephesians 4. Let's look at this passage together. Ephesians 4, verse 22. We're going to look through verse 24. Great counseling passage talking about the put-offs and the put-ons in Ephesians 4. Right? Ephesians 4 is a lot about unity, and uh, in, in this section in particular, we're talking about um, you know, the old life and the new. We'll look at that together here. Ephesians 4, verse 22, it says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Your old self, if you're a Christian here this morning, is the pre-Christ, the BC stage of your life, the before Christ stage. That's the old self. That's been put to death. And you've been raised up with Christ to a new life and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're putting to death the old ways, and we're, we're raising up the new ways. We're putting off bad behaviors, sinful behaviors, and putting on righteous behaviors. That's what we're talking about here. And repentance, when we think about repenting, repenting of these behaviors so that we can grow spiritually, repentance, sometimes we think, you know, repentance is, is recognizing the sin and then turning from the sin and I'm good, right? It's like you're walking down a path and then you walk this way and you stop and you realize, oh, I'm going the wrong direction, so I've recognized my problem and I just stop, right? No, what do you do? You stop, you turn the other direction, you're like, oh, I'm supposed to go this way, right? That's what repentance looks like. So repentance is first recognizing the sin and then you turn from the sin and then you start walking the other direction, which means that you put off bad behavior when you repent, and then you also put on good behavior in replace of those things. So it's, it's, not only it's not only turning from wicked ways, it's also replacing those ways with righteous behaviors. Put-offs, put-ons. You know, I think about lust. Lust. Well, what do you do with lust? You've got to put on self-control. Get an accountability partner. Talk to somebody about your lustful tendencies, your lustful temptations, and put on self-control. Perhaps pride is something you're struggling with. Well, of course, pride comes humility. The opposite's humility. Well, how do I grow in humility? Devouring God's word. This will put your life in perspective. If you devour God's word, it talks so much about the pride will fall and the humble will be raised, right? Humility comes from studying the scriptures. Perhaps it's laziness for you, right? 
Let's put off laziness. Let's put on zealousness for Christ. Let's put on uh, excitement and, and energy. And I want to be a good steward of what God has provided me with. Time is it a great resource that God's provided us with. Create a daily, weekly schedule, right? Account for every single hour of your life. Even if it's rest, you're putting in, okay, 3 to 4 p.m., I'm going to rest for this hour. Awesome. Guess what? You're being a good steward of your time. You're putting off laziness. If you account for these things, you're, you're going to be less inclined, less tempted to be lazy. Be zealous for God. Do good works for God. Perhaps it's anxiety for you. Maybe it's anxiety. And anxiety is a lack of trust and faith in the Lord. So what do we do? We've got to trust God. Right? Put off anxiety, put on faith and trust in the Lord. Well, how do I deal with that? Well, Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but by what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How do we battle anxiety is we pray and we ask God for help. Pray that God removes the anxiety from your life. Trust the Lord. Ask for a deeper uh, trust in God through prayer. But also it's, hey, writing down what you're thankful for. Because right? anxiety typically comes from, I want to I control everything in my life. But instead, you're letting go, and you're thankful that God is in control of everything in your life. And you're thankful that God is providing good gifts. So how do you know what to put off and put on? You've got to eat your Bible. You've got to devour the Bible. You've got to be dependent on God's word. And it comes from studying and applying God's word. So all of these damaging behaviors, they're, sin they're hindering your spiritual growth, guys. They're hindering it. Let's repent from that. One of the great preachers and writers of our day, John Piper, has this awesome quote, this great quote. He says, Satan devotes 168 hours a week trying to deceive you. Do you think you can maintain a renewed mind with a 10-minute glance at God's word once a day? It's heavy, it's powerful. Guys, we're in a daily battle with the flesh. And it's, the, it's the flesh versus our spirit. We got to be prepared for that. Your relationship with your Bibles can't be this long distance relationship. We have to be purely dependent upon God's word, a close proximity relationship, constant consuming of God's word. Your spiritual growth, it, it, it hinges upon how you interact with God's word. Don't neglect it. Crave it. Long for it. And Adhere to the commands of it. Respond to God's gracious instruction. So I pray, I pray that this sermon, you walk away from this with a renewed dependency on these words of God and a refocused commitment of obedience to them. Let's pray for that right now. God, we are utterly reliant upon you. Even if we don't realize it yet, God, help this sermon to not just go through one ear and out the other. I'm constantly told about how reading God's word is important. But God, it, we truly need to be dependent upon it. Like a baby longs for milk and needs it for life and to grow. We need your word for life and to grow in our sanctification. So help us apply this today. God, help us to be refocused on our sanctification, on our spiritual growth, knowing that that's the will that you have for us. You want us to grow in sanctification. 
So God, may that influence us and motivate us to grow in our spiritual growth, to make that a priority in our lives. And God, help us to remember and reflect on the goodness that you, that you have for us, towards us. Such a blessing, Lord, that we can come to your word, the written words of the creator. What an amazing, gracious gift that you've provided for us. Help us not to neglect it, but instead embrace it and to be dependent upon it. Thank you, God. Thank you for this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.